Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. I am your host. I'm going to be Echidna today, the Witch of Greed. I'll be the Witch of Greed today. Um, if you know what anime that's from, feel free to let me know that you know. You know, share along, have a little nerd out moment with me if you like. Honestly, I'm not going to buy you a drink this time if you know who the character is because I'm not going to bars for a bit of time. But uh, I hope you all have had a great week, a great weekend. I hope it's going well for you with all this craziness that we could have had in the world. Very happy to see that at least some sense of normalcy is coming into play with certain spectrums of life. You know, the normalcy of the world is shit, (laughs) that racists are still racist, and that climate change cannot be disproven yet again. Um, But before we get into all of that, I want to let you know, if you want to reach out to the show, feel free to do so through all of the social medias at Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. Or you can feel free to email me at LifestyleGBB at gmail.com. Either way, you can go ahead and reach out to me. I'll read whatever you have to say. You can send in questions, which y'all have been sending in more and more questions. Um, You can send in things that you want me to talk about. Maybe you have a topic in mind or something that... You just feel that you want to hear my opinion on. Um, very, very, very excited to see and hear what you have to say. And if you like the podcast, please make sure you rate it and leave a comment on whatever app you are listening to this on. So let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Um, I want to start off with something very, very, very satisfying uh, to watch. Uh, and this was yesterday. This was when the Tangerine Tornado, a.k.a. the president had a town hall on CNN. Um, Well, this was the ABC town hall, not CNN. Um, And at the ABC News town hall, which was held in Philadelphia, people who are undecided voters were there and they were asking the Tangerine Tornado questions. Questions that they wanted answers on to hopefully help them decide, excuse me, who they're going to vote for. And right now, I take a quote uh, that was in a news article that I read. There is a man who uh, Tangerine said was his African-American at a rally. At a rally. And just a little context of the situation. What occurred is this man was standing behind um, the, the Tangerine. (laughs) <laughs> and some part of the statement was, you know, who's going to support him as he was talking. And he turns around and says, I'm here. And this is what the black man said. So then, of course, President Tangerine turns around and is like, oh, that's my African-American over there. Or look at my African-American over there. Essentially, in most eyes, especially mine, when I heard the statement, that leads me to believe he was like, oh, look at my little Negro over there. Look at my black support in me. That's all that matters. Um, but with all of that being said, (laughs) this has been a very interesting, um, this has been a very interesting election period that we have going on right now. Um, I posted on one of my socials, the statement and quote that he said that right now you're asking me to choose between projectile vomit and diarrhea, essentially, um, call whoever you want to call, whichever one. I don't really care. It doesn't really matter to me how you classify 
either candidate that we have to vote for at this point. But the way that I look at it is this. We have an election uh, right now in our country and we're in a time where definitely race and racism are being called to the forefront. And Black people and people of color want more. We want this American dream that we're supposed to totally stand by and say that exists for us and everybody who comes here, but it doesn't exist for a majority of the country who lives here. If you're not cisgendered, white, and heterosexual, you're most likely not going to fit into the dream, the American dream. You're not going to be considered a part of it. You're not going to have much stake in it. And you probably won't even get a cut of the pie once the pie is cut. We've seen that since the virus started, and we've seen that well before, that we are always going to play second fiddle or get the second seat to whatever's going to happen. And that's what's been happening lately. Let's just be quite honest about it. We see it happening over and over and over and over and over again, and it's not going to change. Um, Well, it's not going to change right now. And based on the two people that we have in running for president, it's not going to change with them. Um, Joe Biden is pretty much like, let's just stick to the way everything is right now because I know that I'm good and I know that the people who have been good are going to stay good. But the people who haven't been good, we aren't going to get shit. Nothing's going to happen for us. We're going to be stuck in the same boat for another four years again. That's very clear. Um, And then with President Tangerine, we'll be back in slavery. I give it like maybe two years into his second term. We'll be back in slavery, picking cottons in the field and working as the house nigger. That's really what's going to happen. But aside from all that, it was very beautiful to see the town hall. Uh, The town hall was beautiful because there was one woman who stood up there and completely cut him off and said, let me finish. And that was nice to see him all flustered, flustered. But one of the best parts about it is that you could just see that he was fumbling through this town hall. Now, I don't know if it's the interview he had with Fox News. I don't know if it was the interview he had with Axios. And I don't know if it's this town hall now. But I think the Tangerine Tornino needs to understand that his team does not have his best interests at heart. You came out here ill-prepared again. Like, we all know that one person that we work with who bullshits, but you're a bullshitter too. So you can't be like, oh, you can't pull that bullshit over my eyes. That's essentially what we watched. I mean, he stumbled through his answer about pre-existing conditions, which his answer wasn't even really an answer when it came to healthcare. And he upplayed, uh, well, he says he upplayed the coronavirus despite his own comments of downplaying it. Like... We're seeing doublespeak here. It's literally happening. This is 1984, the live action version. That's exactly what this is. Um, and it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous to see. We've got seven weeks before election day. And this was really a reminder that this man is going to stick to his lies no matter how absurd they are. Even when he has said something that he has come behind and then said the complete opposite, which has proven what he said it was a lie. He's going to completely try to turn it around and say, nope, I never said that, even though there's clear video of it. Um, it's quite disgusting to see, to be quite honest. I can't even 
Uh, can't lie about that. Can't lie about it. Uh, aside from that, you know, we've had some other things going on in the world. Um, most notably, at least to me here in Rochester, New York, my town where I live at. Um, the police chief, Laron Singletary, who was resigning and was going to retire from his position, has actually been fired. Um, and he found out via Twitter. He found out via Twitter that he was being fired. He didn't even know, at least from what he says. Now, if you're not familiar what's happening here in Rochester, New York, we have recently been informed about the death of Daniel Prude. The video was recently re- released of him being murdered in the street by police officers as they laughed. He was naked. It was March. It was cold. It was snowing. The ground was wet. And he was having a mental health crisis. They put a spit guard over his face, which is essentially a cloth bag that you're supposed to be able to breathe through, but make sure you can't spit on the officers. And they suffocated him to death. They suffocated that man to death. He died days later in the hospital. He was uh, announced and pronounced clinically brain dead at that point. But it was the actions of the officers that led to his death. They led to his death. There's no other way to look at it. And even the coroner ruled his death a homicide, which the only people who were around him when he was not breathing was police officers. So that means they should be held accountable for the homicide that they committed in the street on March. I'm sorry, in March on Daniel Prude. Let's just be honest about it. But so the city is... The city here is backtracking and our mayor is trying to backtrack herself on a lot of things she said because a lot of different entities have come out and said that she's lying, that these are things that they're lying about. The police force says they didn't know one thing and they didn't say that they weren't going to release information. Then the office of Mayor Lovely Warren has said, well, we didn't know everything. We were just told it was an overdose. We didn't know he was suffocated in the street. Then the police union is saying a whole different thing. And I don't give a fuck about what any of those shitheads are saying. But we just have this back and forth and everything that's happening. So now they're talking about a diversity council, I think is one thing that I saw. Then we have the firing of Singletary and I think actually two other officers. The officers who murdered Daniel Prude are on suspension right now. And hopefully we'll have a court case that leads to a conviction very soon. But it just keeps happening. It keeps happening, happening, happening. And we are on the 16th consecutive day of protest here in Rochester, New York. Um, last night, a group of protesters, I was not with them, stayed overnight at City Hall outside to make sure that their voices are heard. And then today, of course, the police force comes and tries to get them out of there. Now, I don't know if force was used Um, But in the videos that I did see, all of a sudden barricades were set up and blocking the way where the protesters were and everything. This is the energy of the world right now, and it's changing. I mean, the fact that we have to be on the street protesting when, one, there's a deadly virus that's sweeping across the nation that is killing massive amounts of people. We're almost at 200,000 deaths as a country. Then we have five tropical storms slash hurricane events that are headed our way. The west coast of the country is an inferno right now. It's burning up. It's literally, the world is on fire. Well, literally, the United States is on fire. It's on fire. 
And we have somebody in new office who is still denying everything. We have people out here who want to deny the fact that climate change is real, that science is real, that racism is real. We have people literally denying that all these things that are being proven in front of their eyes are not real. And when it happens like that, those are the people in the disaster movie who sit in their living room as like the giant wave is coming to wash everything away and say everything's fine. Those are those people. That's what they do. (sighs) Okay. But just to snuggle a little way from that, um, what I want to talk about today is something that I am so happy to see. And this is Black people, Black actors in sci-fi series. I am in love with it. Um, Today's going to be a little bit of a Lovecraft kind of craft. You know what? I kind of like that. It may not work as a title, but it'll work as something. But um, I want to talk a little bit about one show that I've been watching, and that is called Lovecraft Country. Now, if you're not familiar with Lovecraft Country, it is a show that is on HBO Max. Um, it is amazing. The main cast are all Black actors. And even throughout the series itself, there have been references and names and situations that go back to real things that have happened in the racist history of the United States of America. Um, Just to name four actors off the top of it that I'm very happy are in this movie, Journey Smollett, Jonathan Majors, Courtney Vance, and Michael Williams. That right there, that cast of actors already has me just happy beyond belief. But the story gets to do so many things that I've always wanted to see happen in science fiction, but then also involving real life people and Black people. Now, the last episode, um, this is going to be a spoiler alert. I'm just going to drop a spoiler alert for this whole entire episode of Lifestyle. Um, I'm going to be talking about Lovecraft Country, and I'm going to be going into different parts of Lovecraft Country. So you're going to just have to either deal with it or don't listen to this episode and watch Lovecraft Country before you listen to this episode. Um, that's the only spoiler that alert that y'all are going to get now. But I want to talk about the last episode that recently came on Sundays. It comes out on Sundays, just so you know. And in this episode, one of the characters of the show, she is the sister of another main character. And I'm not going to get into too much detail so that way I don't ruin it for you all completely. But she ends up hooking up with the white man who knows magic. And when she hooks up with him, she goes to sleep after they have sex and the start of the next episode, which is the episode I'm currently talking about, she's black, but she wakes up as a white woman. Now she's a darker skinned black woman who is curvy. Um, so we already know societal stereotypes. One, if you're a dark skinned black person, you're kind of at the bottom of the rung when it comes to being black. And then on top of that, you're not skinny. You happen to be normal size, what I'm going to say, or a regular size, or you happen to be curvy, maybe you have some extra weight on you, then you're already discounted even more. And especially being a black woman, you're discounted even more. 
So after she hooks up with this man who says he can change her life, she wakes up as a skinny white woman. And now, mind you, this whole series takes time around the place where Jim Crow is still happening or it's kind of the end of Jim Crow. And I say that in air quotes because Jim Crow in most situations still hasn't ended in the United States. And that's just based on the attitudes and actions that you see happening, especially in southern states where the majority of the population in the town is white. Um, But so she wakes up as a white woman. So now she's exploring the world as a white woman. And there's this whole exchange that occurs in the beginning of the episode where she goes back to her neighborhood, which, of course, is predominantly black. And she is scared. She's freaked out. She doesn't understand why she's a white woman at this point. And she bumps into a young black boy. And when she bumps into this young black boy, um, the police see it. He falls back on the uh, well, he falls back. He doesn't fall on the ground, but he falls back. And the police, of course, see their interactions. So the police run over with clubs in their hands, ready to beat the shit out of this boy. They throw him up on the car, then they push him on the ground, and they're ready to kill him in the street because he bumped into a white woman. This truly happens, well, truly happen in the time period that this, uh, that this whole show is taking place. This really happened in the South. This is what they would do to black men. So this is what they would do to black men who had any interaction with black women. Um, One example of that historical context, if you want to put it in that uh, realm, Emmett Till. Emmett Till was a young black man who was murdered. He was lynched. He was killed by a group of white men because a white woman said that he whistled at her, which he did not. He did not do. But he was killed. He was brutally killed, beat to death. And then his body was strung up on a, I think, actual, uh, not a windmill, but like a flour mill that goes in water and everything. It's crazy. Um, Honestly, if you want to look it up, look up Emmett Till. Because honestly, and as one part of the show, they actually make a reference to a character. And that character is representing Emmett Till. And this happens after something very traumatic happens. Um, to some of the characters in the show. I won't spoil it all, but there's a moment where they're talking and you hear Emmett Till saying to a group of boys he's playing with that he's about to have one crazy trip once he goes out of town. Once he goes out of town, that leads to his death, essentially. Um, But the dichotomy of what happens in this show with one of the characters, like I'm talking about, she wakes up as a cisgendered white woman in a world where black people still today are considered less than, but even at that point, even more so, we were considered a little less than. And she's trying to adapt into this realm and this world. And I've always wanted to see a representation of that, especially in this form, because this show, it's not meant for kids. It is an adults only show. I'm going to say that right there. It's a adults only show. And let's just be quite honest about it. It's not meant for kids. But um, when she goes out into the world as a white woman, she starts working at a store that she has not been able to get a job at because every time she applies, they turn her down because they don't hire black people. They don't hire black people at all. So then one time she goes into the store and she sees a black girl working at the store. And the girl's just like, oh, I just applied on a whim. She didn't have any experience. None of that. So now 
She, as a white woman, goes to the same store, applies for a job, and gets a position three times higher than what she was even applying for in the very beginning. She actually becomes a manager of the store. And she sees this black girl who got hired instead of her getting hired when she was as a black woman. And there's this one interesting, interesting moment where something happened to the character that I'm talking about, where she was incredibly traumatized as her black woman state. And she goes into work next day as the white woman, because she has she found out the way that she can transform herself into a white woman at any moment. And she's talking to this black girl and she's asking her about her credentials or her education history, you know, what she's done to get to this job and this point of her life. And then she's also trying to help her out so that way her work is impeccable because being a white woman, she's been invited into different circles that she's never been in before. One of them being with the other white employees at the store who once they get to the back are talking shit about this black girl. Then the other part of it, she sees just how fucked up some of these white people are in this show, like keeping a man in a closet with his tongue cut out and ripping off pieces of his skin. She sees that. She sees exactly how it's happening and what's happening. And it's driving her insane because she's looking at it. She's like, what the fuck? And so she wants to do everything in her power now that she's seen the world from the white side to make sure that this black girl doesn't fuck up and doesn't give these white people any reason to go after her. So with all that being said, it's one of those things that if you have not watched Lovecraft, I suggest that you watch Lovecraft because it's so, so good. I mean, in one of the episodes, one of the main characters, uh, Letty, I'll call her that, she buys a new house. And this house was actually owned by a white man who was a scientist who spent his life operating on Black people and specifically Black women and their babies to figure out all kinds of different surgeries and all kinds of different reproductive things. Now, his research is still used to this day. It is. But the way he went about getting his research is what makes him one of the worst individuals in the world. He literally would operate on Black people and specifically Black women without any anesthesia, without any consent from these people because they were slaves. These people he was operating on were essentially slaves and had no rights and could not say, don't do this to me. So he would torture these people. He would cut people's bodies up and put their body parts on other people's bodies and try to figure out... Um, transplantation and then he did a lot of things that had to do with the vagina and uterus to figure out menstruation pregnancy issues and all these different things and he did this on all of these black women while they were alive they were alive no anesthesia whatsoever and they had to suffer and bear it so that's I know I'm probably jumping all over the place with this show but I say all of that what I've just said is that the show Lovecraft Country, not only does it take the history of Black people in the country of the United States, but it also takes into account the historical things that are left out in our educational system and things that you only learn after you get out of school when it comes to Black history and what has happened to Black people in this country. Um, the other side of it, the sci-fi aspect, which I just love more than anything. If you're not familiar with Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft specifically, um, the author, he writes a lot of things that have to do with science fiction, and it, it's amazing, amazing work that he wrote. 
Cthulhu is probably one of his most famous creatures from any of his writings. And Cthulhu is a demon that's part octopus, bat, and something else, but with the intelligence of a human brain. And he wants to take over the world and plunge the world into darkness forever. Um, and there's reference to Cthulhu in the very first episode, um, but there hasn't been any reference further about Cthulhu, which I'm excited to see how they're going to bring all that into the series. They've even talked about the Garden of Eden. We've seen part of the Garden of Eden from Lovecraft's point of view. Um, there's just so, so much, so, so much. It's so good. Um, another thing that they brought up in this most recent episode that I'm so so, 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 so happy to see is that one of the main characters has sex with men. He's a man who has sex with men. Um, they have not said if he's gay or bisexual or his sexual identity, anything like that, because one of the other characters in the show is his son. So we do know that he has had sex with women. Um, but he's he has a whole... Uh, there's this whole epiphany at the end of the episode, and I don't want to ruin it, so I don't want to get into too many details. But for anybody who is gay or who has had any um, queer interactions in their life and maybe they had to hide them or maybe they had to hide their true self from their self so that way they could stay safe and their life wouldn't be in danger, especially back in the time that this show was supposed to take place, being a Black man and on top of that, being a Black man who is queer you're just guaranteed to be killed by either your own community or the white community. They were going to string you up from a tree right away. But um, we see this one character go from having a sex encounter with another man to being out and proud in a moment where he finally felt safe to be out and proud. And that moment in the show spoke to me more than anything that I've seen so far because I've been in that scenario. I've lived my life as a gay man, as a queer man, openly for only the last, let's say, 10 years. And I'm turning 32 at the end of the month, which, by the way, y'all, it's Libra season. But I remember the first time I went into a gay bar and the guy I was with held my hand and I immediately got angry and snatched my hand away from his and was like, what the fuck are you doing? We're out in public. And then I had to realize we're in a gay space. We are in a space where me holding hands is the last thing on anybody's mind because there's two dudes making out in the corner over there. And it was so beautiful to see. It was such just a great moment. Um, this show speaks to me on so many more levels than I could have ever imagined in my life. Um, but that's going to be my little snippet about Lovecraft Country. I just went to talk about it. I had to just let it all out. It's such an interesting show to see. And for my people out there who happen to be Lovecraft Country lovers, I hope that you love the show. I hope that you get to enjoy it even more than I did. And, uh, also I want to go back and apologize. There's probably a weird little cut in the audio. Unfortunately, when you have a home studio anything can and will happen and of course they had an interruption so but this interruption was from my mom so i can't really be like oh leave me alone i'm doing something else <laughs> but we're gonna actually take a break now i'll be back let's make a little coins and then i'll finish this up for y'all all right y'all i am back um so 
I want to talk about something that I got as a question in the inbox. Um, In the inbox, I got a question. And the question, it came from Maria. Um, Obviously a fake name. Well, Maria's not a fake name. But the name I'm calling you today, Maria, that's not your real name. (laughs) But the question that Maria sent in was, I just got out of a relationship. It was a long-term relationship and it took a lot out of me. But we both loved each other. We started off as friends, turned into fuck buddies, and then started to develop a real relationship, and it lasted for four years. We ended the relationship because both my and my partner were moving on into separate spectrums of our life. He wants kids, and I don't want kids. That's one thing. He also wants to stay where he's living, and I want to move. So those were two crossroads that we could not easily work on and move past. So mutually, we decided to end our relationship and go on about our lives. I learned a lot from this relationship, but I want to hear from you because I want to know, what did you learn from your last relationship? And what would a relationship look like for you next? Or what do you want your relationship to look like for you next? All right, Maria. So you know what? That's a really good question. And The reason why I'm going to talk about this is because this has to do with friendships and relationships for me. So my last relationship, two things that I learned right off the top of the head that I can tell you. One, I learned that I cannot ever give up my individuality for another person. In a relationship, sometimes we want to be the perfect match for our partner. And sometimes I feel, at least for myself or other people out there, maybe you can relate, you feel like the perfect match for your partner is being exactly the same as they are, which in a lot of cases can't be further from the truth. I look at myself. I am a black man who was tattooed and pierced out the ass. I love anime. I love watching TV. I love smoking. I love to drink. I love to go out and have a wild good time, and I don't like to make decisions a lot of the times. The man that I look for in a relationship most likely doesn't have tattoos or piercings or doesn't really have any, doesn't really change if they do, Um, is a decision maker, is dominant, has a goal, doesn't like to sit in the house, wants to do way more than I probably want to do, and I'm happy about that. That makes me happy. The term or the phrase opposites attract is very true. Opposites tend to attract them each other a lot because as opposites, you know, this shit's about to be good and it's going to be real because we don't have the same things in common. We don't look alike. We don't get the same joy from the same things. We don't get bored by the same things. And I love it when somebody else is bored by something that excites me because then I have the opportunity to give them excitement the same way I feel about it. And vice versa. Um, The other part of it, of what I learned from my last relationship, is that you cannot sacrifice what makes you happy to be happy. And when I say that, I mean, there are compromises that you're going to make in a relationship. You're going to have compromises where maybe you don't want to have sex every day. Maybe you want to have sex every other day. Or maybe you don't want to have spaghetti every night. Maybe you want to have spaghetti just on Fridays. Or maybe you want to have a movie night or a date night with the boo, but then you know you have other obligations with your friends and probably family members and work. So you have to compromise and you have to figure out how you're going to make these things work so both of our needs are met mutually. 
But when I say sacrificing, sacrificing is when you're just giving up because the other person wants. That's not healthy to me. And that is something I learned in my relationship, my last one, that what I was doing was sacrificing my happiness and the things that I wanted just to make them happy, but never getting anything in return. I didn't sacrifice with the hope of they would pay me back. I sacrificed that I hoped mutually whatever we're going to will benefit us both, and it never did. So I learned sacrificing is not going to be a healthy thing for me in my relationship. That is why I'm not going to do it. Um, Now, as far as the second part of your question, what would my next relationship look like? Uh, My next relationship first is going to look like somebody that I can build and talk with first before we do anything else. I even want you to touch my body unless you can hold a full-fledged conversation with me. I mean, start to beginning, subject, predicate, Let's have a focus. Let's have a specific thing. Or maybe we can just sit here and laugh and goof off. And that's fine. Also, in my next relationship, I want to be able to be comfortable with the fact that we can sit here in silence and just shut the fuck up and enjoy the silence together and know that we're all good. That's what I want. I want to be able to know that at the end of the day, if I come home and I sit next to you and I don't say a word for you, For three hours, you're not going to think I'm mad at you. You just understand that maybe I just need to sit here and enjoy your presence as opposed to just us talking. Um, Another thing that's going to look like, my partner is going to have to be dominant. My partner is going to have to be a decision maker. And my partner is probably going to have to have some kind of protective spirit. Um, Having that protective energy, that domineering or dominant energy that isn't controlling or obsessive, but is a healthy form of dominance, I'm here for. That is what I'm here for. I need that kind of energy in my life because that is what attracts me to another man, is that mm, that dominant spirit at times. Um, The other thing that my relationship is going to look like, we got to smile. We have to smile and we have to be able to laugh. Even through the hard times, I need you to be able to make me laugh. You know, something terrible could have just happened. Like I could have just dropped all of my pancakes on the floor. And if you make a good joke and make me laugh, I won't even be angry about the pancakes on the floor. At that point, I'll just get up and go make some more damn pancakes. And also, if you happen to be listening, my next gentleman caller or suitor, you better know how to cook some motherfucking pancakes. And you better like pancakes. Because if you don't like pancakes or you don't know how to cook pancakes, we aren't going to last. We are. Because everybody loves a fluffy disc of cake. Especially me. So if you can't at least fit into those confines or boundaries or whatever you want to call it, regulations, it ain't going to work. I'm sorry, dear. It ain't going to work. But I also bring that up to say, on the friendship spectrum, friendships can go longer than relationships or they can end faster than a relationship can end and any relationship that i'm going to have in my life i need it to be beneficial for all of us involved we should all be bringing each other up and there should never be secrets animosity or anything between us that's going to destroy us getting to the next level so along with relationships my friendships got to look along the same spectrum of I got to know that we can sit down and talk. I got to know that I can trust you. I have to know that loyalty is going to speak more to you than anything in this friendship or relationship. 
It's got to be there. If that loyalty is not there, if I feel I can't even leave you alone in my apartment, then that means this ain't going to last. ain't going to last. It's just not going to happen because I don't have that energy in me to sit here and debate and love all that. I'm just like, no, I don't. And no argument. Well, arguments can happen. I'm not going to say no arguments. Arguments can happen because arguments lead to growth, which is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so I hope that answers your question, Maria. Um, it's just something that I've been thinking about. And another thing that I want to bring in, because I'm going to kind of gonna tie this in with Maria's question because there was a question that I got, and this was on an episode that I did about boundaries and knowing your boundaries. Um, this episode was not a part of my podcast. This came from a podcast that I do with my friend Danny called Yo That's Gay, and it's about boundaries. And the question came from one of our listeners. I'm going to call you Daryl. Um, and Daryl was simply asking, do you understand yourself and know enough to know what you need? If not, what are some things that you're into implementing to center yourself. And this is going to tie back in to Maria's question about the relationships and also part of friendships. I understand myself to an extent to know what I need in the moment. Um, I know just as far as friendship, I need somebody that I can trust. And if I break down what trust is, that's knowing that no matter where we are, what we're doing, or what's happening, you have my best interest at heart, and I have your best interest at heart. That's what trust is to me. Trust is that unspoken bond that says, I'm going to make sure that my, that my bitch is good, no matter what. That's what that trust is to me. Trust is also that feeling of knowing. That even if something goes wrong for me, I have a way to make it out. I have a way to make it to the good part, back to the good areas. That's another thing that I know for myself. Um, And areas where I don't know what I need and things where I'm just on empty ground. One of the things that I'm implementing to centering myself is gathering more knowledge always gathering more knowledge. In any situation I've ever been in, I've always noticed that there is a learning curve. And if I figure out the curve, I can figure out how to protect myself and get what I need out of the situation. So that comes with friends, family, work, anybody. There's always going to be a learning curve. There's always going to be a grading curve. There's always going to be a situation that is going to help define what your next action could be. And it's looking for those points is what I'm doing to center myself and honestly better myself to becoming better at what I'm doing. I take this podcast into account. I'm not some famous person. I'm not some professional podcaster. At least, you know, I don't hold that moniker for myself because I podcast because I like to do it for fun. But as I've been podcasting and as my voice has gotten out there more, I've been getting all these offers from people asking me to do this, asking me to do that for them. And at first I was like, yes, man. I was like, yes, you know what? I'll do it. That sounds like a lot of fun. But now I look at it, not all of those situations are beneficial to me. The other party's gaining a lot from it, but not me. 
So I have to make sure that I start looking at the full scenario as opposed to what I'm just being offered. One of the biggest things that I always will take away in my life, and my dad said it to me, when someone's at, whenever someone is willing to offer you money for something, it's worth much more than what they're offering you. And you just have to think about that. I mean, base it this way. I get up and go to the store as an adult now. And as a kid, I would be like, oh, I want to grab all the cookies, the chips and all these things. Now when I go to the store, I'm like, Andrew, you got $60. Those chips are $5. Those cookies are $7. What the fuck are you doing? You know you could go to the back section and get some frozen cookies and bake some bitches yourself and save yourself $6. What are you doing? Things like that that we take into account now. I have learned those things because I've had experience. And it's the same thing coming in with podcasting. I was brand new at it a year ago, and now I'm approaching the two-year mark, and I'm like, okay, I'm starting to learn that even though everybody who's out here says, oh, I see your podcast and you're doing all these things, it's not always beneficial to just say yes to somebody. You have to make sure that you look at the full situation, look at the entire chessboard before you move your piece because if you're only moving your piece on the lines that you can see you're missing out on all the other opportunities and dangers that are around you and it's the same thing that it comes to when I'm doing this podcasting but then I can even relate that to relationships and friendships if someone shows you who they are for the first time and you don't like what you see you need to listen to that voice and say bitch this ain't for you walk away and it's the same thing so I hope. I know I went on a little bit of a rant that didn't make much sense at some point, but I hope that it just sits with y'all. You understand at least where I'm coming from with it. Um, aside from that, y'all, thank you for the questions that came into the inbox. There's so, so, so many more, um, which I will get to your questions as I can. Um, but last thing, and I just got to go off for this in a minute. Um, somebody on one of my timelines posted uh, that there is an anti-mask protest of protesters that are invading a South Florida Target chanting, take off your mask. Now, if you didn't guess it, it's all white people. (laughs) It's all Karens and Brads. Karen, Brads, and Kins. Um, Oh, my God. You know what? Some days I look at this country and I'm like, what is this country coming to? But then other days I look at it and I'm like, where has this country been the entire time? Because these people didn't just come out of nowhere. They look fucking crazy. They look crazy, 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 crazy. I can't believe it. Um, Like, y'all just look in fucking sane. These posts are just crazy. Um, But the way I look at it, If you want to go into a Target and protest inside of Target, screaming, take off your mask at people there who are smartly shopping and keeping their faces covered because you think taking off your mask is a political statement, then you are about as smart and as about as bright as a brick that's being used as a light bulb right now. Um... You know, I'll have to break it down for you protesters that are protesting, take off your mask inside of a Target. One, you're protesting inside of a Target. So I don't want to hear any shit from any of y'all that say, oh, well, rioters are breaking into stores and doing other dumb shit. Okay, these hoes are in the middle of a Target, a closed-in space without their mask on, shouting, which is putting more of the coronavirus in the air, because I guarantee some of them have the coronavirus, and you're just going to infect more people. 
All you are is a super spreader at this point. You're not speaking up for some kind of political statement. You're not saving the world. You're only damaging it even further. And you're only going to make this take longer for us to get rid of the fucking coronavirus and slowing the spread because you're out here being your good old dumbass American selves doing dumb shit. I swear, America has to be the country full of the dumbest fucking people in the world. Like... Just the dumbest fucking people in the world. And a lot of them seem to be congregated in the state of fucking Florida. Y'all just do some of the most backward shit ever. I mean, let's not forget that you have a hurricane that's slamming your state. And you've got about three more hurricanes that are on the way from the looks of it. And then on top of that, your city, well, your city, your state is already starting to sink and be filled with water because of global warming. But of course, you all deny that global warming is happening. Damn, y'all are dumb. And it's not every person in Florida. It typically just looks like it's the white Republican people and the Latino Republican people in Florida who have to be about as smart as like the bottom of my shoe. But I mean, hey, you know what? You guys are fighting for the cause, the true cause out there. The mask. The masks are just terrible. Um, You know, thank you for tagging me on that on the timeline. I just didn't ever think that I would see the, um, you know, what am I going to call them? The Alabaster Assembly. That's what they'll be. The Alabaster Assembly out here acting crazy. Like, I just don't understand this at all. Like, y'all do some crazy shit. And I hope, oh my God, I hope all of you get coronavirus. So then afterwards you can be like, I didn't realize that not having a mask on would get me coronavirus. (laughs) <laughs> or they'll probably flip it some way and they'll say a Democrat walked up to them and stabbed them with coronavirus. Whoever knows, whoever knows. But y'all people really do some crazy shit. Um, so this is where we're going to call today's episode at the end. Um, I want to thank all of you for listening again to my little shit show and my whiny nasally voice. But without you, this would not happen. So I'm definitely here for it. Um, if you like the show, please rate it, comment, share it. Do whatever you can, do whatever you want with it. Just don't make my show into a dildo and stick it inside of you. Um, It's not meant for sexual gratification or pleasure. (laughs) But I hope you all have a great rest of the week and I'll be checking in with you again. Stay strong out there. And if you're out of protest, please be safe. My protesters here in Rochester, New York, please be safe. I saw exactly what happened to y'all today. The police came and forcibly removed peaceful people from the street so the people who work at City Hall could get to work. Let that sink in. The police forcefully moved people so other people could walk into an entrance that they were in front of to go to work. But mind you, this is City Hall and there's a platitude of entrances into the building. Force did not need to be used on people who were playing instruments and sitting peacefully. I'll just leave it there. All right, y'all. I'll talk with you again next week. Bye.